Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge. I want to say that as well. I know you've been welcome many times, uh, but we're glad you're here. All of you in the room, all of you online, thank you for being here with us. So uh, we have a real treat and a real blessing for you today. You don't have to listen to me today. You're welcome. Uh, I started off your Sunday in a great way, right? Uh, so that, that is going to be awesome. But we seriously do. We have a treat uh, for you today. So we have with us here today today, Pastor Chris Conrad. Uh, you, you wondered, usually I have to sit by myself, or maybe Angie's there, but I didn't have to do that today, uh, so that was awesome. But Pastor Chris Conrad, recently Dr. Chris Conrad, just finished his PhD, is here with us. Now, here's why this is important. Uh, a lot of people don't understand or know this, and that's okay, uh, because we don't really trumpet this because we trumpet Jesus a lot, right? But we are a part of the larger denomination called the Wesleyan Church. And what that means is we are also a part of something called the Great Lakes Region, which you've heard about before, but it is Wisconsin, Illinois, and Michigan, all the Wesleyan churches in those three states. And so Pastor Chris is actually the regional superintendent. He's the leader of all of the Wesleyan churches in all three of those states. And he is here today to share God's Word with us here today. And I am looking very, very forward to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what God has laid on his heart and his mind and his soul for us. And uh, so, Chris, I want to invite you to come up real quick. I'm going to keep going uh, and introducing him. Uh, but, see, he can actually step right up on the stage. Did you see that? Isn't that awesome? He's limber and flexible and... Uh, okay, and okay. old. <laughs> and old. <laughs> and old. Yes. Okay. And old. Uh, so... Uh, the, here's, here, all of those things are important. He's a regional superintendent. He leads all the churches in the three states. That's awesome. Yeah. Let, me, let me share why it's really important that he's here. Uh, you guys know that my dad passed away from pancreatic cancer just a little over two years ago. Pastor Chris and the GLR staff, the region office, I got personal calls from him and from them multiple times in that season. Uh, they showed up, and they came, showed up in a big way. They helped with the food. They helped with a hundred things that people never knew about. They, they were the quiet ones in the background. And so I just want you to know that I have an amazing leader who not only is our leader, but backs us up as a servant. And I also want to say on top of that, that this guy loves Jesus completely. And he follows Jesus completely. And he promotes who Jesus is and that we need to promote Jesus to as many other people as possible. That everybody needs to know who Jesus is. And so you're going to hear and you're going to uh, catch this passion from Pastor Chris. But I am just so excited to have you here. So, my brother, thank you, thank you for being here. Can we give him a warm Northridge welcome? Thank you. Thank you. Well... Good morning, everyone. It really is a privilege for me to be here. It's a, it's a little uh, interesting for me because of the fact that um, I, he talked about his dad, Pastor Dan, who uh, my wife, Mary, and I first met 33 years ago. And um, if my wife was here this morning, she would tell you that when Pastor Dan was walking here on earth, that if she got really sick, she would want Dan to visit her over me. Um, <laughs> Because Dan had such a gentle spirit, such a sweetheart of a guy. And um, I thought the world of Dan and think the world of his bride, Rainey. And, um, and so that is, it, that's so cool. And I, 
I happened to live in Madison uh, for a little while, and, um, and so I actually uh, can remember the day when Dan and Rini and the boys actually moved to Middleton. I can remember the day when we helped move them in all those years ago. And so uh, it's just, it feels a bit like old home week. And I'm, um, I, I just have to tell you a, a couple of things. Number one, if this is your first time at Northridge, you've made a really great choice because this is a great church. And I want to beg you to come back because um, you need to come back and hear the real preacher preach. I suck, but he's actually really good. Um, and so you, you need to come back. Um, and, uh, and I also, I also want to say this. Um, for those of you who have been around Northridge for a little while, I'm just so incredibly proud of you. Many of you, uh, most of you sacrificially gave financially, and you are continuing to do so right now. It's one thing when you have a big hype, and um, I happen to watch the video of the announcement of that and how your pastor, like, drugged that out all morning long. Um, and for those of you who were there that morning, you know exactly what I mean. Uh, and then when you found out it was over a million dollars, everyone went nuts, you know, 1.3 if I remember right. And, uh, and that was a great morning. But it's another thing when you actually now have to keep living that out, right? You have to keep sacrificing now. And I just want to say, way to go, uh, because you're making a tremendous difference here in Wanakee and beyond. And then, and then I also want to say um, how incredibly proud I am of you for your willingness to, to continue to give uh, in other ways, like the way that you're about to, in the next year, send out Nick and Pastor Nick and Leah uh, in the next year, as that's been announced, and they're going to plant a church somewhere on the east side of Madison, and so you're sacrificially giving in that way too. And I just want to say, way to go. Uh, thank you for being the kinds of people that give away. That's a fantastic thing. Um, and I got to tell you, I'm so proud of Pastor Brent and Laura. So, so proud. I've known them uh, since they were little kids. And uh, I've known Laura since she was a little girl. And she loves to give me grief about that. Um, and she has names that she calls me. And you can ask her about those after church. Um, and I've known uh, Pastor Chris Bickett uh, and Paul. Uh, for about 27 years. I had the privilege of performing their wedding ceremony. So we go way back. Um, and uh, so this is, uh, again, uh, super, super um, blessed that I get to be here. And I really wish that my much better half, my wife and my two girls, were here. Uh, they're not, but I'm going to show you a picture to say that uh, they, yeah, that was just taken, I think, two weeks ago. Um, and so I married way over my head. Um, and that is a good thing to do. So, okay, now enough of all the preliminaries. Let me pray, and then I'll get into what I think Holy Spirit wants to say to us, okay? So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the people in this room. Many of them know you. They have a personal relationship with you. Others of them are checking out what that means. God, I pray that you would speak to all of us this morning. I pray that they would quickly forget me, but they wouldn't forget a God who loves them and wants to speak deeply into their hearts. Thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the sacrifices that people are making so that this church can continue to expand and grow and reach Wanakee and reach the whole west side of Madison and beyond.
I pray that they would sense your pleasure, God, in them, that you are proud of them. Now speak to us in Jesus' name. Everybody said. One of the things I love about this, this person called Jesus, who is, for many of us in this room, our Savior and maybe even our Lord, the one who actually guides and directs and leads our life. One of the things I love about him is that he would walk into a person's life and then he would begin to transform it. And, and I loved how he would walk in. Like, one day he walks up to this guy, Pete, and he says, Pete, you tired of fishing? Why don't you follow me? And why don't you fish for people? He walks up to this guy by the name of Matt, and Matt worked for the IRS of his day. And he was not liked very much. And he said, hey, Matt, you tired of being hated? Why don't you leave taxes behind? Why don't you leave the IRS? Why don't you come and follow me? And Matt's life was transformed because he followed Jesus. And what's interesting is, is that there's still an invitation on the table by Jesus for our lives to be transformed. Um, when he was living here in bodily form, Jesus actually invited people into a totally different life. A totally different life. He actually said, you know, I wonder if you're truly satisfied and content with the life that you're now presently living. I, I wonder if you're actually satisfied with, I wonder if the life that you're now living is the life that you've always dreamed of living. And if not, I wonder if you're willing to give me a try. And I think that that invitation is still on the table. Catch this even for people who come to church. Even for people that come to church. I wonder what it would be like if, if we actually allowed Jesus to transform our life. If instead of, now how many, let me just ask you this. How many of you actually like dessert? Is there anyone in the room who actually likes dessert? Okay, okay. Um, now, just pretend for me, this is probably not your favorite dessert. I'm sorry. It happens to be one of mine. But I like a really good chocolate cake. Okay? And, and for me, what makes a really good chocolate cake is the icing. Right? Now, it's got to be moist. It's got to be all that. But if the icing is good. Now, some of you are like, shut up right now, Conrad. You're making me hungry. Okay? I get it. But, but here's the thing. Um, some of us... Some of us treat Jesus as if he's kind of the icing instead of allowing him to penetrate all of us. And there's an invitation by Jesus to actually allow our lives to be penetrated by him and for him to impact all of our life instead of just the surface of our life. So, I wonder if Jesus walked into our society and let's just go ahead and say into America in 2023, and he walked in today, and he was doing ministry today, I wonder how he would interact with people who are facing the typical things that people face in 2023 today. And I wonder if you can relate to any of these things. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I, I wonder, this is so fun because I just saw someone yawn. Uh, how many, I wonder how many people are tired. 
I wonder if Jesus wouldn't encounter some people that are tired. Like young moms. Okay? Do you remember young moms when you're just in this perpetual time of fatigue? And you just wish that you could actually get a really good night's rest? Or par parents of kids that are in sports. Do you remember parents when you used to have a life before your kids got into sports? Do you remember that? You know, yes, you got to do anything you wanted to do. You got free time. Free time is gone now. Okay, your kid, I, I get it. Uh, the person who's working way too many hours right now. Maybe you're taking care of both your kids and your aging parents. You're in that in that season of life where you've got both that are kind of taking up your time. Maybe you're in the midst of the home improvement project from, can I, from hell. Okay? Um, yeah. See, here's what's interesting. Did you know, and this is true, did you know that we're actually sleeping less now than mankind has ever slept before? Here's something up on the screen. A hundred years ago, the average American got nine hours of sleep a night. A pattern that appears to have been considered typical for thousands of years. Today, the average American gets seven hours or less of sleep a night. We haven't changed. We haven't evolved. But we're getting less sleep. I wonder what Jesus would say to people that are chronically tired. Or people whose phones go off at the most interesting times. I'm wondering if anyone in the room is feeling a level of stress. Now, you're not going to actually nod at me at this point because you don't want to admit it, but maybe finances are absolutely stressing you out. You don't want to talk about it, but man, your finances are stressing you out, and you can feel it in your body. Maybe work is pretty stressful. Maybe there's relational tension. You know... <laughs> I know this has never happened to you, ever happened to you. I, I understand it's never happened to you. But what's really interesting is, is what, when a married couple comes to church and they get in an argument on Sunday morning on their way to church. I know that's never happened to you. Sure, it's never happened to you. But, um, but it can be a bit interesting when, a, you know, they're, they're at each other, right? You're at each other. You're angry about something, and this is the first space you've had. And so you're kind of at each other. And then you show up at church. Yeah, everything's great. <laughs> everything's fine. And you get greeted at the door. Yep, great day. It's a happy day. I'm thrilled to be here. Nowhere else I'd rather go. And we're getting along really well. Can you tell? No? Some of you, some of you have relational tension. Some of you have relational tension with your kids. Did you know that I never knew what anger was until I had children? I had no idea what anger was. You know, and there's this little passage in the book of this guy by the name of Paul writes this passage um, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in a book called Colossians in chapter 3. And he says, literally he says this, he said, now we must rid ourselves of all such things as anger. And I want to say back to Paul, A, you, I, we don't know Paul, were you ever married we don't know that he was married, and he certainly didn't have kids. Okay? Like, get real, you know? Um, maybe there's a relational tension with a boss or someone else at work. Stress eats at us. And if Jesus walked into our society today, he would come up against people that are stressed out. Now, what about this one? What about people that are continually... In a hurry. Yeah, do you remember? Some of you took piano lessons. 
the metronome. I'm just wondering if that represents anybody's life. And you feel that. And some of you are saying, shut that stupid thing off. <laughs> Not yet. Some of you live in a constant state of hurry. Now, you know, we've <laughs> we mentioned about, uh, let, me, let me just ask you this. How many of you, how many of you are a really nice person until you get be behind the wheel? How many of you drive fast everywhere you go? We're our aggressive drivers, okay? Okay? Um, how many of you, when you go to the grocery store, you try and pick the fastest line, and if, you, and if you pick a line and the other line goes faster, you internally erupt inside? Okay? Um, how about those of you who have Costco uh, cars, you get in the Costco gas lane, and it ends up being the slowest lane instead of the fastest lane? Okay? Um, what about a Starbucks line? When it takes them an extra four minutes to get your latte ready and something inside of you rises up? What about if the, Nicole's like, she can't take this, she's out, man. <laughs> what, about, what about, what about, like, have you ever gone to look on Amazon and whatever it is you're buying isn't on Prime? and you're not going to get it in two days? Ah! Right? Or when someone, you text someone, and they don't immediately text you back, and you keep waiting for the three dots? Like, you got to text me back now! A recent survey indicated how long we're willing to wait before we start getting frustrated. This is a true survey. The typical person gets mad after waiting 25 seconds in line at a traffic light. We get mad after 18 seconds if a web page doesn't come up. This is, this is funny. The article said this. Most people start cussing at their television after 22 seconds of a, if a TV show doesn't start streaming. So if Yellowstone, if you called up Yellowstone and it doesn't start streaming within 22 seconds, you start cussing at your television. The average, the average person does that, okay? Uh, I don't know if you ever fly, get on a plane. You're willing to wait for your luggage for 13 minutes before you get frustrated. Most people are willing to wait 14 minutes at a restaurant after they've ordered for their food or they start getting mad. Um, waiting in line at a hotel when checking in. This is true, by the way. I'm not making this up. Um, in 1995, the typical person was okay with waiting three minutes. Now, the typical person is upset if they have to wait more than 17 seconds. Does this describe your life? Do you feel like it's a merry-go-round that you can't get off. Jesus actually came to a world, and he actually still is. And he comes to our world that's really, really going fast now. A guy by the name of John Mark Comer 
talked about why is it that we're always in a rush. Here's what he said. Often, up on the screen, often our hurry is a sign of something else. Something deeper, actually. Usually we're running away from something. Father wounds, childhood trauma, insecurity, or deficits deficits of self-worth. Fear of value, pathological inability to accept limitations of our own humanity, or simply boredom, simply boredom or the mundanity of middle life. Which leads us to this next person in our society. I believe Jesus would encounter a lot of people who have unresolved pain from their past. They've never really dealt with the pain of their past. Dads who are either abusive or just not expressive, who never really said, I love you, I believe in you, I'm for you. Moms could be that way too. Or maybe we were hurt by someone's words or actions. We were physically hurt. We were raped. We were emotionally devastated by a parent or a coach or a teacher or someone else. There's a book out there called The Body Keeps Score When Trauma Happens. And I think Jesus would encounter today in 2023 a lot of people whose bodies are keeping score. Whose bodies are manifesting things that happened to them a long time ago. I also think Jesus would encounter plenty of people living with anxiety. Because even as Laura shared earlier, anxiety is rampant in our society today, right? It's an epidemic. And what's so sad, and this is really sad because as you just saw, I have two teenage daughters. I have a 19 and an 18-year-old daughter. Research is showing that anxiety is especially high among teenage girls. Like off the charts. Like we've never seen the ever seen anxiety in people's lives like we're seeing it today in in 2022 and 2023. Here's what's interesting about all this. (laughs) People 80 years ago, predicted something very different for our society. Catch this. I think you'll find this is funny. And I put this up on the screen. In 1930, the economist John Maynard Keynes predicted that today, in 2020, the average worker would be working just 15 hours a week. They would work Monday and Tuesday, followed by a five-day weekend. Anybody up for that? Anybody want to sign up for that? It's not exactly our reality, though, is it? As a matter of fact, the opposite is true. The average American today in 2023 is working an equivalent of four weeks more than the average worker did in 1950. The average American worker today is working four weeks more than the average worker did in 1950. You know what I think Jesus would also encounter in 2023? Our coping mechanisms or our distractions. Now, distractions come in all different shapes and sizes and varieties. For many of us, this is our distraction, right? It's our distraction. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen this or not. Uh, the average person, let me, let's just have fun. How, how many times do you think the average person touches their phone in a given day? 
Okay? Okay, I'm just going to, how many think it's 300 times a day? Okay? How many think it's 400 times? 500 times? 600 times? 700 times? The average person touches their phone 2,617 times a day. 2,617 times a day. The average person. And if you happen to be a gifted person in the top 10% of your class, you touch your phone 5,427 times a day. Which means that you touch this little thing, um, if you're just average, you touch this thing nearly a million times a year, or if you're in the top 10%, you touch it 2 million times a year. And the results, unfortunately, can be disastrous. According to a leading expert of young adults in our society today, a guy by the name of Tim Elmore, Tim says, uh, and he's done the research, that the more time, especially that teenage girls, teenage young ladies, uh, look at their phones, the more times that they spend on Instagram looking at reels and doing all that kind of stuff, the more time they spend on the phone, the, the least good they feel about themselves. So their self-worth goes down 100% related to how much they are spending time on their phones. The more we scroll, the less we live. Now there are other distractions, not just our phone, binge watching TV like Netflix or whatever. And again, none of us, I'm not saying that this is evil. Heck no, I'm not saying it's evil. And I'm not saying that binge watching television every once in a while is evil. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling that these are our distractions, right? Sports, hobbies, porn. That's not good. Just a little pot. Just a little alcohol. Secretive, secretive relationships that we don't want anyone to know that we're having on the side. Workaholism. Those are all the ways that we try and distract ourselves from the things that we're experiencing in life. As a society, we're not actually healing our pain, our stress. We're not actually healing those things. We're just medicating them. And if you're wondering what that looks like in real life, I've got a, I've got a movie clip to show you. Now, I'll tell you, this movie clip is way old. It was made before some of you were born. But it was the only movie clip I could find where someone wasn't using the F-bomb or cussing in some way, shape, or form when they were really frustrated, okay? So enjoy this flash from the past. Here we go. Hunk says he will think about this. Now, we do not vandalize him. He is a genius, and my Ned has manned, okay? So, let's see what I can do. Hot, hot. I see you're starting to lose it, but I have one more question. Very minor. I'll say it quickly. Parking attendance. Four is comfortable. Three is acceptable. Anything less absolutely terrifies me. Two. George. Two. Hawk says if you want to file, he wasn't in this. He passes. He passes? Hey, Dad, how's it going? I came to get my sneakers. I left them in Annie's room last night. I was beginning to feel like I was having an out-of-body experience. I had to get out of the house and fast. <laughs> 
Gina said as long as I was escaping, would I mind escaping to the market and picking up something for dinner? Sure, that was all I needed, a busy supermarket. I needed to drive, mellow out, get my mind off the wedding. But mellowing out was not in the cards. Excuse me, sir, what are you doing? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I want to buy eight hot dogs and eight hot dog buns to go with them. But no one sells eight hot dog buns. They only sell 12 hot dog buns. So I end up paying for four buns I don't need. So I am removing the superfluous buns. Uh, I'm sorry, sir, but you're going to have to pay for all 12 buns. They're not marked individually. Yeah. You want to know why? Because some big shot over at the Wiener Company got together with some big shot over at the Bun Company and decided to rip off the American public. Because they think the American public is a bunch of trusting nitwits who pay for Getting things security. they don't need rather than make a stink. Well, they're not ripping off this nitwit anymore because I'm not paying for one more thing I don't need. George Banks is saying no! Who's George Banks? Me! Uh, why don't we just calm down now, sir? I'll tell you why we don't calm down. Because you're not excited. It takes two people for a we to calm down, doesn't it? Uh, that I don't know, sir. I'm just the assistant manager of a supermarket. But I'll tell you this. If you don't pipe down and pay for those buns, I'm going to call the police. Oh, right. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, right. So, I'm sure that has never described you in your life, okay? Here's what I know, and here's what I know both from experience and just truth in life. This next statement I'm going to make is not my own, I actually got it from a pastor who I really appreciate and have come to know, a woman by the name of Alex Seeley. And I actually don't even know if the, the statement is original with her, but I love it because it's true. Whatever we don't transform, we transmit. Whatever we don't allow the Holy Spirit to transform, we transmit. Now, can we, just, can we just have a mass confessional? I, I've talked to several of you this morning, and you come from former Catholic backgrounds. So let's enter back into our Catholic roots for just a second and have a mass confessional for just a second. Um, how many of you will admit that there's at least one thing wrong in your life? Okay? Okay, thank you for that first one. Okay, the rest of you are lying and you're in church. Okay, I'm just saying. Okay, so, but here's, here's the second thing. How many, how many of you, how many of you, when you were kids, you had parents that did something, and you swore to yourself, when I grow up, I will never do that. And then you become the parent, and you find yourself doing the exact same thing. Okay? Do you remember that? Do you remember that moment when you heard something come out of your mouth, and it wasn't you, it was your parent embodied through you? Okay? Why is that? It's because, now, that's funny when we're talking about funny things, but it's totally different when we're talking about generational things and what some people would call generational sin. And so whatever we don't allow the Holy Spirit to transform, we actually transmit. So if we are stressed out and hurried 
and perpetually tired because we're allowing our lives to go way too fast all the time, and we've got anxiety off the charts, then we will pass that on. So what's the solution? The solution is actually answering an invitation. Jesus said this. Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Okay, can you leave that up for just a second? Here's an interesting thing. I think when most of us read that, it kind of sounds good, but we don't really get it. Like, what is he talking about? A yoke. What in the world is a yoke? I know what a yoke is when it comes to an egg. I don't know anything else about yolks. Okay? Well, Jesus is talking to people that would have understood two different meanings to the word yoke, and it had nothing to do with eggs. The first meaning is, is that Jesus in his day would have been considered a rabbi or a teacher. And every rabbi or teacher, their teaching was called their yoke. So the way that they interpreted the Old Testament, that what we would now call the Old Testament of the Bible, was called their yoke. It was the rabbi's yoke. And so what Jesus was saying is, is that my teaching is an easy yoke. It is an invitation to live a life of actual rest and ease. That doesn't mean there are not going to be hard days, but it does mean that I'm not trying to put religiosity on top of you, that you have to live up to some kind of standard. And the second thing that people would have understood as a yoke is when two bulls came together, and I don't mean Chicago bulls, I mean like cow-like bulls came together, and they would put this wooden thing between them, and that was a yoke that then they would put a plow behind and they would plow a field. And so Jesus was saying, come attach your life to mine. But here's the deal. Jesus is going to be leading the yoke, and we are actually tied to him, and we're supposed to follow him. See, it's more than icing on the cake. It's more than just being, if you will, well, I come to Northridge. I'm a Christ follower. That's nice. I don't cuss as much as I used to. Okay, I'm changing a bit. It's actually allowing Jesus to transform us because whatever we don't allow him to transform, we transmit. So we actually allow him to transform us from the inside out. I love how a guy by the name of Eugene Peterson who wrote a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message, how he put it. And this has become really famous. I would assume that probably Pastor Brent uses Let's put it up on the screen. Are you tired Exact same passage of scripture. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. There's the yoke. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly.
Jesus' invitation is peace over anxiety. Healing of past hurts and pain over shoving them down. He actually wants to bring those to the surface, not because he isn't loving towards you, but because he wants to actually heal them. So, some of you are keeping past hurt and pain, and you're trying to keep it down. Imagine for a minute that you're in water with balloons that are blown up with air, and you're in a pool, and your responsibility is to keep five balloons underwater. That's how some of us are trying to act with our pain and our hurt from the past. And guess what? It doesn't work. They keep coming to the surface. Jesus says, I actually want to remove a life of stress and hurry. I actually want to give you satisfying relationships. I want to give you a calmness in your spirit. A rhythm of life that includes this weekly thing called a Sabbath where you just delight in God and have a blast with him. Now, how do I actually do this? Okay, that's great, Chris. That's the, that's the invitation that Jesus gives in 2023. But how do I actually replace my hurried, anxious, continually tired, stressed out life for the life that Jesus actually wants to give me? Well, I have a little bit of news for you. And it's at, you're actually going to have to give yourself to something. You're going to have to actually do something. One of my favorite authors is a guy who's gone on to be with Jesus now. His name is Dallas Willard. And this is what Dallas wrote up on the screen. God's grace in our life is opposed to earning. We can't earn God's love. We can't. He just gives it to us freely. All we have to do is accept it. But his grace is not opposed to effort. So it's opposed to earning. We can't earn it. But it's not opposed to effort. We have to make decisions along the way in order to make Christ and his way of life our priority. It doesn't just happen. So let me give you some simple, simple suggestions. Number one, I want to encourage you to think about doing a distraction assessment. What distracts you from your relationship with Jesus? What distracts you from actually spending time reading the Bible? What gets in your way? What distracts you? Is it ESPN? Is it Instagram? What is it for you that gets in your way of actually experiencing this life that Jesus has for you? And actually, if you do a distraction assessment, then at some point you can say, okay, maybe I, need to, maybe I actually need to shift things a bit. Because here's the deal. You can go to your grave living a very anxious life. You can go to your grave with the pain and the hurt inside of you still there. You can go to your grave trying to get your worth from your job. You can do that. But you'll miss the invitation of Jesus. And you'll miss the life that he has for you. That day when Jesus walked up to Matt's life and said, hey, you can keep working for the IRS or you can come follow me. Matt had a choice. You have a choice. And I don't mean this meanly. I don't mean this cruelly. I don't mean this judgmentally at all. But the American church today is filled with people 
who have mentally ascended to a relationship with Jesus Christ, but have not allowed him to actually transform them. And they're walking around as stressed out, as anxious, as fearful, as frustrated, as angry as the rest of the population. Why? Because we haven't actually allowed ourselves to be transformed by the person of Jesus. And we haven't haven't ever done this distraction assessment to say what's getting in the way. Now, in case you're you're thinking that I'm sitting on some holy hill somewhere, I just finished this last Sunday, a week ago today, a three-month sabbatical, which is the first one I've ever had in my life, and it was transforming to me. And part of that sabbatical for me was having to look at my own distractions and what I've been allowing to get in the way in my own life for way too long. And I had to confess it to the Lord and I had to confess it to my wife. And I had to just say, I, and I've literally changed through the power of the Holy Spirit. I've allowed him to change. I, w- <laughs> I won't get into it, but I'll just tell you, I'm a different person than I was three and a half months ago. But I had to look at the distractions and what was getting in the way. And by the way, I've been walking with Jesus for 50 years. I'm old. Like, and I've sat in thousands and thousands of, of church services just like you are right now and heard really boring messages just like you're listening to right now. <laughs> right? I've been there, done that, preferably got the T-shirt and the sweatshirt and the shorts. Like, I got it all. But I hadn't allowed the Holy Spirit to actually penetrate all the way down to show me why Do you remember that John Mark Comer quote earlier? Why is it that we're perpetually in a hurry? It's because there's stuff under the surface that we haven't allowed God yet to transform. A a second suggestion is read God's word regularly. Read Jesus' words. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read Colossians 3. Um, Because this is so pick and practical. Um, Next one, there's a couple of books that might be helpful for you. Um, that I put up here, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, uh, which is where I got that quote from. Those of you who are perpetually in a hurry, that might be a good book for you. Um, it's, a, it's a few years old now. I actually, I avoided that book. I didn't want to read that book because I knew it would be way too convicting for me. And I finally read it over, over the last couple of months. It was really helpful. And then um, take a day off. Now, I, I'm not going to say much more about this than just this. And that is just that did you know that um, those of you who have been around church for a while, uh, that there are these things called the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Right? Don't make any idols. All this kind of stuff. But one of those is, uh, remember to take a day off called a Sabbath. And what's funny is, is that we today in 2023, we still would say, okay, it's not good to murder. I get it. It's not good to commit adultery. Okay, I get it. But come on. Jesus didn't really, I mean, no. I mean, We don't really have to take a day off, do we? This book was transformative to me as well. Um, And so many of us could could experience so much more joy in the other six days of our life if we actually wouldn't allow God to minister to us on the seventh day. Enough there. Um, One of the things that I've done, and you don't have to do this at all, one of the things that I've done is that my watch goes off every 30 minutes now. There's a little timer 
got an Apple Watch. Every 30 minutes it goes off. And the reason it goes off is to remind me to think of the Lord. Psalm 16.8 says, I keep the Lord always before me. Now, I know, you're, I know you're not like this. I know you're much more spiritual than I am, much more godly than I am. Way to go. But have you ever had an experience where you think about God in the morning and then you totally don't ever think about him until 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock or 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock that night? You probably don't, but I need a continual reminder to bring me back to an awareness of the presence of God in my life. So I just, my timer just goes off every 30 minutes. It's a real bummer when you're, when you're driving down the road at 80 miles an hour and you're weaving in and out. Can I say this in church? Pissing off everybody around you and then your timer goes off. And Jesus says, are you actually representing me right now in a really good way? <laughs> okay, maybe not. <laughs> okay? So that's just been helpful for me. Um, and, and one last little thing. Replace at the next stoplight you come up to. What does everyone do in our society at the stoplight? Right? Isn't that true? Everybody. How many of you are petrified at how many times you see people looking at their phone while they're driving? Oh, my garage. Like, it's all the picking time. Right? Like, eight out of ten drivers are just staring at this and not looking at the road. I mean, it's just scary. Well, try some, I, I want to encourage you to try something that will blow your ever-living mind. Stop at a traffic light and don't go for your phone. Now, your, your muscle memory will automatically go there. Okay, you automatically pick up your phone. But try just once not doing that. and actually, You don't have to close your eyes, but actually just say, Lord Jesus, I want to take this time to pray. Maybe you're going to pray for a coworker. Maybe you're going to pray for a family member. Maybe you're going to pray, Jesus, I need your help because I need an attitude adjustment right now. Whatever it might be. Or Jesus, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the beautiful fact that it still, as Nicole said, it still feels like summer. And it's October 1st. Now, I know that by Friday, I'm actually going to be back here in Madison on Friday. I know by Friday it's going to start getting cold, but who cares? Right now, it's warm. And I can celebrate that when I'm at the traffic light. Like, thank you, Jesus. Look for ways that you can do that. And what are the results? If we'll purposefully look at our distractions, figure out what's getting in the way, confess those things, and then allow him to penetrate, not just the surface of our life, but go all the way down in, our lives will be transformed. See, it was Jesus who promised us, I've come to give you life. And I've come to give you a rich and satisfying life. Not just an everyday life, but a rich and satisfying life. He said that to us in John 10.10. 10. And then in the Old Testament of the Bible, Psalm 16.11, in his presence is fullness of joy. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and we're going to do, um, they're going to lead us in one last song. But as they come up, there's two more things I want, you to, I want you to pick up on. So allowing God to work in our life and to transform our life, we do that for three reasons, actually. To glorify him, to glorify him for the work that he's done in our life. Number two, for our joy, like we get to experience a much better life when we allow him to actually penetrate our lives, when we allow him to go all the way down in and show us why it is that we, that we respond the way that we do, that we act the way that we do. He, it actually transforms our lives, and it brings us this incredible amount of joy. But also, 
we do it for the benefit of other people. Because people are watching us. So I want to close with these two quotes. I love this one by Sheldon. The best argument for Christianity is Christians. Their joy, their certainty, their completeness. Okay, can I just ask? If someone is watching your life, are they impressed with your joy? Are they impressed with your certainty? Do you, do you come across as someone who doesn't have deep insecurity issues, but you're just comfortable in your own skin because you've allowed Jesus to bring you that? Another guy by the name of Erin McManus wrote this, and I just love this. There may be nothing more compelling or courageous than a person who's enjoying his or her life. Life doesn't bring you joy. You bring joy to life. And he, by the way, Ern McManus is a pastor and a, very much a Christ follower. See, what can happen is, is that you can actually allow the joy of Jesus to penetrate your life in such a way that you start infecting the people at work. That you start infecting the other people in your family. That you start infecting the, people, the, the person at Walmart who's not having a good day. And when we allow Jesus to actually fully transform our life, it not only transforms us, it begins to transform the entire aura, if you will, of our life, the people around our life, the people who orbit our life. And for those of us who are parents or grandparents, it begins to impact our kids and our grandkids because they begin to see a different person. We're not the same anymore. We've allowed Jesus to actually transform us from the inside out. So, Jesus walks in here. He sits down next to you, right here, in a Northridge service. He puts his arm around you. He looks you in the eye, and he says, I'd love to do life with you. How about it? I want to encourage you. Don't let any distraction get in the way. But allow him and his promise of a transformed life to move you into everything he has for you. Because he's a good God who has good things for you. Would you stand and we're going to pray and the worship team is going to hear a song. So Lord Jesus, we just are super, super grateful to you because of your goodness and your grace and the fact that you come to right where we are. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have everything right. You just invite us. You invite us into a, a life with you that's transformative in nature. And God, we may not rip buns out of packages, but many of us in this room would admit to the fact that there are times where we're not experiencing all that you have for us. And there's an invitation on the table for each of us. And I pray, Jesus, right now that there would be people in this room who kind of for lack of a better word, drive a stake in the ground and say, today, 
October 1st, 2023. I'm going to turn off the radio. I'm going to turn off the television. Not forever, just for a little while. Just for a few minutes a day. I'm going to put my phone down, stop looking at TikTok, and I'm actually going to focus in on the work that Jesus wants to do in my life so that I can experience this life to the full. And God, it doesn't matter if we've become to church all of our lives or not. There's still more work that you want to do in us so that it not only impacts us, but it begins to impact the people around us. Jesus, we want you to transform us so that we don't transmit the negative sides of us onto other people. And I just pray right now that there would be people in this room who would allow you, allow you to do surgery on their hearts. People who have been deeply hurt. People, God, who have experienced pain. People who are running 100 miles an hour away from their shame. And I just pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, that they would allow you to do the work that you want to do. That they would begin to experience your healing and your wholeness and your fullness. Thank you, Jesus, that whenever you encountered someone, you never left them the same if they were willing to be changed. We this morning make ourselves available to you, Holy Spirit, and the changes you want to bring for your glory, for our joy, and the benefit of the people around us. In Jesus' name.